Giving 101. Last week, we started a series about money, talking about finances. And uh, Jesus talked about money more than he did prayer because I believe he thought, well, not thought, I believe he knew that we would probably struggle in the area of money more than we would struggle in the area of prayer. And uh, there's two major needs on the planet, and that is health. People want to be healthy. And the second one is people want their needs met. And so uh, I may believe that we serve a good father, that he wants even more than what we want that. Amen. But uh, the scripture that we have had for the year, we're going to say this scripture every Sunday, is Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Well, I know uh, that I just wanted everybody to make sure that you hear all four of the sermons this month on finance, finances. And uh, so hopefully people who didn't come today, they can hear this online. But this is the thing. I know there's going to be some things that uh, you may have not heard before. And there may be some things that, uh, you know, it just could get a little stuck in your throat. And like I said last week, you know, we were missionaries in Africa. And so anytime you got meat, you had to chew an extra long time if you wanted to swallow it. So I just ask you to just not throw everything out, but just wait to hear all four sermons. And uh, because if you just take one part, it could be out of place. Does that make sense? So... uh, I know there's some people can take some of the scriptures in the word and and make it sound like it's a negative part about money, but um, God wants us all to have the right relationship with money. He wants all all of us to have the right relationship with money. In 1 Timothy 6:10 it says for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So obviously You can put money above God. You can put money above everything. But it's the love of money. It's not money in itself because a lot of people quote that. Money's the root of all evil. No, it's not. It's the love of money, which means you cannot have any of it and still have that problem. Luke 12, 15, speaking to the people, Jesus continued, Be alert and on guard with your heart from greed and always wishing for what you don't have. For your life can never be measured by the amount of things you possess. And uh, I, I just want to make sure everybody knows this, that God loves you whether you have money or not. He loves you whether you have money or not. And let me just say this. You're not more spiritual just because you have money. Hallelujah. I just feel like, you know, everybody, you know, because when I start talking about money and that God wants you to be generous, God wants you to be a giver, and you think, well, I don't even have money to give. That doesn't mean that you're less spiritual, you're less loved by God. God loves us all. He even loves people who don't know him and even people who hate him. He loves them, amen? But uh, um, I was up at Karis teaching this week, and so it was really good because I was teaching on uh, the spiritual side of business, and, and the last lesson I taught on was a little bit what I'm going to be teaching today about money and that we're all on a journey, We're all on this journey of getting to know not only who God is, but who we are in Christ. It's just an upward uh, uh, 
ascension into who we are in Christ and who God is. And uh, Paul said, I keep pressing on. I want to know him. That's my number one thing is to know him. And so there's some people, and even in my journey and even your journey, I mean, we know God better today than we did a year ago. Amen? But this is the thing. Uh, 20, 20, 30 years ago, even when I was growing up in church, I didn't know God was a healer. I didn't know God was a provider. I just knew God as get me into heaven, which is it's a good place to start. But there's going to be some people that uh, they don't know God, and they don't know that God is a healer. They don't know God as a provider. And uh, so it's a journey in all of this. And, uh, but God, in all of these scriptures, he's talking about just making sure that our motives are right and that we're not greedy. And Luke 12 uh, verse 20 says that this guy was wealthy and he just wanted to build bigger barns to keep his stuff. And God said to him, what a fool you are to trust in your riches and not in me. What was he trusting in? He was trusting in his riches and not in God. This very night, the messengers of death are demanding to take your life. Then you will get all the wealth you have stored up for yourself. Who will get all the wealth? So this is what will happen to all those who will fill up their lives with everything but God. So the bottom line is... You need to make sure God's the number one thing in your life. And listen, you can have money and still have that. You can. And uh, there's some people that, you know, because I gave some illustrations about uh, my wife and I and what we've done and, and giving. And I wanted to get to this last week, but I didn't. But Matthew chapter 6 was talking about the almsgiving. Verse 1, he says, examine your motives to make sure you're not showing off when you do good deeds, only to be admired by others. Otherwise, you will lose your reward of your heavenly Father. So when you give to the poor, don't announce it and make a show of it just to be seen by people. Like the hypocrites in the streets and the marketplace, they've already received their reward. But when you demonstrate generosity, do it with pure motives and without drawing attention to yourself. Give secretly, and your Father who sees all you do, we reward and openly. I believe the King James Version says that they don't blow the trumpet. And that's not uh, something that, you know, Jesus uh, just saying, you know, this is just like a little story. That's what the religious people would do. They would get ready to bless somebody, but they would literally have somebody blow the trumpet so everybody would be drawn near. Can you imagine that? It's kind of like going, hey, everybody, hey. Getting ready to bless somebody. Hey, ever, hey, you, you're not paying attention. Listen. The religious people literally did that. They would blow the trumpet before they bless and give somebody. And God, Jesus was sitting there and going, don't do that. That is so wrong. And you know why they were doing that? They were patting themselves on the back. Look at me. Look at me. So that is not the purpose of our giving. I said, that's not the purpose of our giving. Our giving is to be a blessing to people. And uh, so just so you know that, you know, you, nobody should ever know anything about your giving. Well, then how do you explain 1 Chronicles 29? Because it's recorded. Not only did David let everybody know in his little tribe and all of his people that were following him, but it was written down for all eternity King David turned into the entire assembly and said, My son Solomon, who God has clearly chosen as the next king of Israel, is still young and inexperienced. 
The work ahead of him is enormous for the temple. He will build is not for mere mortals. It is for the Lord God himself. Using every resource at my command, I have gathered as much as I could for building the temple of my God. Now there is enough gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, as well as great quantities of onyx and other precious stones, costly jewels, and all kinds of fine stone and marble. And now, because of my devotion to the temple of my God, I'm giving all of my own private treasures. He's not talking about the treasures of the king. He's talking about his own pocketbook of gold and silver to help in the construction. This is in addition to the building materials I've already collected for his holy temple. I'm donating more than 112 tons of gold from Ophir. Can, can you all just wrap your head around that? 112 tons of gold. 112 tons. You know, a ton is 2,000 pounds. 112 tons of gold. 262 tons of refined silver to be used for overlaying the walls of the buildings and for the other gold and silver work to be done by the craftsmen. Now, listen, this is why he's telling everybody. Now, who will follow my example and give offerings to the Lord today? Then the family leaders, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the generals, the captains of the army, the king's administrative officers all gave willingly for the construction of the temple of God. They gave about 188 tons of gold, 10,000 gold coins, 375 tons of silver, 675 tons of bronze, 3750 tons of iron. They also contributed num- numerous precious stones which were deposited in the treasure of the house of the Lord under the care of Jehiel, a descendant of Gershon. The people rejoiced over the offerings, for they had given freely, wholeheartedly to the Lord, and King David was filled with joy. So this was a giving of of a demonstration. There was no arm twisting. I tell people all this. I've been in meetings where you just feel like if you don't give, that you could go to hell or something bad's going to happen or whatever. But And I tell people this. If you ever feel constrained or your arm twisted about giving, don't ever give. Thank you. Because you should be given willingly out of your heart. So giving, David was giving to not only as a demonstration and as an example, but to inspire people, to glorify God. Do you realize the leaders that he was talking about? You know where those leaders came from? They came from the cave of Adullam. You remember that story? When David was running from Saul and hiding from Saul, and so he went to this cave called Adullam, and 400 people were drawn to David. And what does the Bible tell about those 400 people? I don't know about you, but that would be a tough tough crowd to start. The Bible says they were distressed. All of them were in debt and discontented and discouraged. Isn't that a good church group? Hey, let's start a group. Let's make sure we get all the people that are distressed, all the poor and all the distressed. Let's just get all these people that are just really struggling in life. Those people are the ones who gave tons of gold and silver and all that. So I believe they had a life change. I believe they had a life change. And God is a giver. For God so loved the world that he gave. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, here's my point. A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest, but the one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. 
Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. I'm going to say that again. Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving, all because God loves hilarious generosity. He loves you to be a cheerful giver. He's not wanting you to fill out your square every Sunday morning and go, here's my tithe check, and you watch it go down the aisle, there it goes. No, he wants you to know that you need to be happy. Yes, God, verse 8 says, yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace so that you will have more than enough of everything. Every moment in every way, he will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. There is grace to give. I'm not going to get into it, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul said the church at Philippi, they were in deep poverty, and he started talking to them about grace. He started talking to them about grace. And the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Uh, he said that out of your deep poverty, you became generous givers. How did that happen? It was because they started having a revelation of the grace of God. They understood. Paul started teaching about that Jesus became poor and his impoverishedness has brought you and I to a place of wealth. Wealth has been deposited in every believer. I'm going to say it again. Wealth is deposited in every believer. I said this last week, but it's worth repeating. You know, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, it says that God has given us power to get wealth, which means the power's in you to get wealth out here. In my opinion, my opinion, everybody understand it's my opinion? My opinion that when you became, because of 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, that God has given us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. He's given us everything that we need. Therefore, healing is on the inside of you and me. And wealth, the ability to get wealth now, instead of trying to get it out here, it has been deposited in here. But this is what it takes. Healing's inside of you. Wealth's inside of you. The fruit of the Spirit's inside of you. Everything that you need for life and godliness is inside of you. But the problem is it's not going to do you or me any good as long as it's inside of you. It needs to be manifested out here. It needs to be manifested. Healing is good, but, I mean, if you're still hurting, it needs to be manifested out here. Wealth is good, but if you can't pay your rent, it needs to be manifested out here. But this is the good news that God has given us here. The wisdom, wisdom to put what is it that he put in here to be manifested out here. The wisdom of God. Having a relationship with God, walking with him day and night, walking with him and having a relationship that you hear the voice of God. My children, hear my voice, and that's what the voice we need to hear is wisdom, how to get what's in us to be manifested on the outside of us. So tithe, I mean, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but everybody says, you know, you have to tithe. Tithe does predate the law. The law was given. But the tithe was talking. But this is what I believe about the tithe. I don't. People think if I don't tithe, you know, my refrigerator is going to break, my car is going to break down, stuff's going to happen. Is that the kind of God? Is that the kind of father you are to your children? If you don't clean your room, I'm going to go out there and just start tearing up your vehicle. I'm just going to start tearing it up. Are you kidding me? When I was a 16-year-old, I had a 55 Chevy. If anybody scratched my car, man, you are on my list of 
not being, we won't go there, but anyway. But, you know, we think God's like that. He's going to do something bad to you. And then we sing, he's a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. You tear up my stuff. You repossess my car. It's who you are. It's who you are. And then on the tail end, we go, praise the Lord. Like that makes it all right. No, it's not, that's not the kind of God. That may be the God that you serve, but that's not the true God. I said that's not the true God. He's the God who wants to bless and always blesses, and he wants to be the God that you look to him for provision, for love, and for everything that you need. He'll take care of you. But this is why I believe God got, when they were under the law, it's kind of like um, he knows that it, it's good to be a giver. He knows that. But... Uh, I believe, it's, I believe that if God did not put hunger on the inside of us, that some people would just die because they didn't take care of themselves and didn't eat. It, it, you can't, I don't believe the doctors can really explain why do you, after a long period of time, some of us a short period of time, that we feel hunger. You feel hunger. You know, it's not like you set an alarm. Oh, it's twelve. Time to eat. You don't have to sit alarm. Your body tells you, hmm, I'm feeling hungry. I'm feeling hungry. That's a God-given thing that he puts inside of us, so we will take the time to eat. I believe that's kind of a principle that God did about the tithe to remind us to give, to give. But God is not wanting us to tithe or to give out of religious fill in the square. You might as well just not give at all. If you feel like I just have to religiously, if I don't tithe, you know, God's going to get mad at me. I don't believe that. If I don't give, I'm not going to make God happy. For God so loved the world before they did anything. Before they gave, before they accepted him. Our acceptance is not based upon what we do. Our acceptance is based upon what Jesus has done. Money is just a representative. It'll tell you what kind of person you are. If you were tight and stingy before you got money, you'll be tight and stingy after you get it. Is giving part of the whole wealth process? Yes and no. I believe that grace is the main foundation to knowing about giving and wealth. It's the grace of God. But this is what I've come, this is my revelation walk with God. We're all on the journey. I've learned all of my life we've been tithers and givers. But the majority of my life is I've I've tithed because I felt like I had to. Because I was taught that you have to and you must tithe. That's the reason I, I tithe and gave. Do I regret any of that? Absolutely not. Not one dime. Not one penny. But this is why I give today. I'm not tithing and being a giver so I can get God to bless me. 
I know that I'm blessed and it's running over and therefore I'm a giver and that's why I give. That's a whole different mentality. And guess what? That causes you to be happy instead of putting a $100 bill in and goes and you watch it all the way down. Your face is frowning and you act like that's the last one that came off the printing press, man. I don't know if they're going to make any more. I do not know if they're going to make any more. If you give that way, you don't run down there and get the $100 bill and put it back in your pocket. We'll all be a much happier family here. We're all at different knowledge levels, different revelation levels. And God is okay with that. Melody was telling me just a couple days ago, she watched this Corey Tim Boom and um, who's the lady interviewing Corey Tim Boom? Catherine Kuhlman. I was getting ready to say the floaty lady. But anyway, uh, she was having this interview with him. And she said when they were in the prison camp, uh, she was, her or her sister was catching a cold. And uh, so she didn't have, they didn't have any, in that concentration camp, they didn't have anything. And she just says, I don't even have a handkerchief, you know. And so she prayed. God, you know, would you just provide us a handkerchief? We just really need a handkerchief. And lo and behold, a little bit after that, a lady, one of their friends working in the, the, some part of the prison camp was going to throw away a sheet. And so she tore it up and made handkerchiefs. And she brought one. He said, Corey, look, there's handkerchiefs. We have handkerchiefs for everybody. So she prayed that. And just a little bit later, it was produced, answered prayer. You know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, if God can provide you a handkerchief, why didn't you pray and believe God not to catch a cold? God doesn't look at it that way. He just sees us along our journey where we're at and loves us right where we're at. Right where we're at. And that's why you and I should never judge somebody right where they're at. Are you hearing me? Oh, you need to believe God. What's the matter? You don't have enough faith? You know, shut up. Sorry. I feel the sense of my angry eyebrows over here. Anyway. <laughs> but that, it's true. It's true. You know, we're all at different levels. And if somebody doesn't believe in healing, that's why God gives people a rev- God wants those who do believe it to pray for them. To lay hands upon the sick so they will recover. God gives people, don't, if somebody, it's not because you're up here because you may know something about healing and they're down here. No, it's God's family. He's saying, listen, don't look upon somebody because they're weaker. You be the the answer to their prayer, even if they're not even praying it. That's called the mercy of God. It's the same way about giving. Some people may think it's God, God doesn't want you to, to have any money. He doesn't want you to have any wealth. That's okay. I said that's okay. But this is the thing. There's going to be some people who get a revelation from God who know that, man, God has blessed me coming and going. He's made me the head and not the tail. Whatever I put my hand to shall surely prosper. I tell you what, he has blessed me, and I'm going to be a blessing somewhere. So he'll take somebody like that, and because he loves us so much that somebody who's struggling in their finances, God says, listen, you understand wealth. I want you to bless my kid over here. That's the kind of father we have. You know, if you got three or four kids, you know, one of them uh, may be good in math. One of them may not be. 
you don't take the one that's in math. You go, oh, I'm so proud of you. And you look at the other one, you go, oh, you stupid kid, you. No, you just love them and you coach them and then you help them. And the one who knows math, they can try to help them and everything. But you love them and accept them all. That's the way our Father is. There's people who don't understand or know anything about health and healing. There's people who don't understand about God's generosity. There's a lot of things that don't. But God says, I am so merciful. I'll raise up somebody over here to help this one over there. And I'll raise up somebody over there to help that one over there. It's because his mercies are new every morning. Philippians 4.19 says, God meets all of my need. He does. That's a fact. But there's going to be people who really struggle maybe in that revelation. It's okay. I'm telling you, it's okay. There's been times in my life. It's not like, oh, I've arrived. It's a journey. There's times that we may get a revelation, and just because you got it five years ago doesn't mean, man, it's just flourishing in you today. We'll never rise above our beliefs. Don't get me wrong. We'll never rise above our beliefs and our revelation. But listen to this thought. I don't believe this thought ever went through the mind of Jesus. I don't believe this thought ever went through the mind of Jesus when he walked. 33 years on this planet, I never believed that he had the thought, what must I do today to get God to meet my needs? What do I have to do? What do I have to do, Father, to get you to meet my needs? I don't believe Jesus ever had that thought. I just believe he walked in the revelation that God is going to meet my needs, whether it's to pay taxes or whether it's to have food. He definitely had money because Judas was a treasure. You don't need a treasure if you don't have any money, by the way. But if you got money, you need a treasure. Psalms 41 through 3. This is a passion translation. It says, I waited and waited and waited some more, patiently knowing that God, patiently knowing God would come through for me. Then at last he bent down, listened to my cry. He stooped down to lift me out of danger from the desolate pit I was in. Out of the muddy mess I had fallen into, now he's lifted me up into a firm, secure place. And he steadied me along while I walk along the ascending. Ascending means it's going up, the ascending path. A new song for a new day rises up in me every time I think about how he breaks through for me. Static praise pours out of my mouth until everyone hears how God has set me free. Many will see his miracles. They'll stand in awe of God and fall in love with him. I got to ask a question while I was teaching the students last week. It was a really good one. He said, you know, you're talking about uh, God wanting us to be blessed and wanting us to be generous and have money, even have wealth, more than enough to be the abundance. He said, what about Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, and all these other guys that are wealthy? They don't know God. So why, why are they wealthy? I thought that's a really good question. First of all, we are all created in the very image of God. We're all created in his image, which means that people who even do not know him have God's DNA because he created all of them. So they have the ability to make money. 
I told them, you know, I know about real estate. I teach real estate in some courses, and I can take somebody who is a total heathen and give them principles, and they do those principles. They can go out and make money, not even know God. So what is the difference? This is what it is. In the last part of that scripture, verse 3, many will see his miracles. They'll stand in all of God and fall in love with him. People are not falling in love with God because of Bill Gates and how much money he's making. They're not falling in love with God. But this is the thing about believers. We, when we make money, I believe it should glorify God to cause people to fall in love with him. You see the difference? That's huge. That's huge. It says many will stand in all of God and fall in love with him. They'll see his miracles. Every time, you bless, every time I bless somebody with money, pay for their meal, or, or do something for them, man, they just get so teary-eyed and thankful and everything. And so I just make sure. I say, man, God loves you. What are you doing? You're glorifying God. You're glorifying God. Proverbs 10.22 says, The Lord will make you rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. The Passion Translation says, True enrichment comes from the blessings of the Lord. With rest and contentment and knowing that it all comes from him. Being a blessing. I believe this series is going to cause you to be, you know, we, we just need to be stirred up from time to time. We need to be mindful about, hey, we need to be more generous to be givers. You know, I, I did this uh, about a week or so ago, there's, um, I've never given a $100 tip. Danielle, when she worked at uh, Texas Roadhouse in, in Tulsa, uh, Grandpa Hagemeyer, he was teaching at the Bible school there. And so he went to Texas Roadhouse, and he uh, uh, sat there and went out to eat, and he left Danielle a $100 tip on the table. And everybody was talking about that. She told everybody. And you know what the negative thing was? It was a Sunday. All of the waiters and waitresses hate Sunday because that's when all the church people come and leave virtually hardly any tip whatsoever. You know, for the world to think that way because of what we have done, listen, this is my advice to you. If you can't tip good, don't go out. Ouch. What kind of, and don't leave a track for dear Lord's sake, you know. <laughs> Hallelujah, God bless you. Here's the word of God with a $2 tip inside. I got a tip for you. Anyway, I just always, <laughs> I get off my soapbox, I'm sorry. I'm done now. Anyway, this is the thing. I thought, I, I just, it just came to, sometimes I'm going to leave a $100 tip. I've never left a $100 tip. You ever left a $100 tip? And I'm not talking about if you had a $200 meal or something. I'm talking about I had a 30, I think our bill was $36. I thought, I'm going to leave. This lady, you know, she kept, she had three kids, and she's talking, you know, and I'm, uh, we're all just laughing, cutting up with her and talking to her, and she was talking. I wanted wings, and she, her and Melody, they like bone in and all this. And I said, I'd like to bone out. She says, that's just a chicken tender. So I said, okay, here we go. 
you don't know who you're messing with. So I just started giving it to her. So that another couple was with us, and they, and they said, they ordered and everything. I said, ask for some chicken tenders while you're at it. She's got, she knows all about them. And so she would laugh and everything. But it, uh, after that, I just, it just the love of God rose up within me. I go, I'm gonna get, this, is the, this is the time. I'm giving her a $100 tip. My bill was 36 bucks, and so I gave her a tip of 100 bucks. But I took her off to the side, and I said, listen, I just want you to know something. She was a single mom of three kids. I said, God wants you to know you're doing a great job with those kids, and he loves you so much, and I'm going to give you $100 just so that you know that God loves you. I mean, she started bawling. I thought, okay, we're good here. Here we go. There we go. She said, nobody's ever done that to her before. She says, I've been really struggling and trying to get, make ends meet and everything, you know. And I said, well, God just wants you to know that he loves you. Listen, this should be common practice for believers. This is why. And I know some of you say, well, I can't give a $100 tip. That's okay. Listen to me. It's okay. I said it's okay. But this is what I'm saying. This is what is available. A lot of times we think this is available, but I'm here to preach and tell you that there is an abundance so you know that this is available. Why? So you can do things like that. So that God can be glorified right here in Pueblo, Colorado. He wants you to know that God loves Pueblo and that he loves everybody in Pueblo. From the prostitutes to the drug addicts to those who are sitting in the mayor's office. Everybody. And he wants God to be glorified here. 2 Corinthians 9.11. You will be abundantly enriched in every way as you give generously on every occasion. For when we take your gifts to those in need, it causes many to give thanks to God. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Let me hurry here. Psalms 37, 21. The wicked borrow never repay, but the godly are generous givers. And so this is a question. How much money is too much money? I was talking to the students, and, and I asked them, I said, how much money? You know, because you think, hmm, maybe $10 million, maybe $20 million. And I just said, well, you know, we're doing those three things on the wall, building a college in the Congo. We're wanting to build a, uh, a beautiful building for youth here in our city and then build another building for us. I said, I've added that up, and it's probably $75 million. So $50 million, we're still short. How much money is too money? Too much? It's when you quit trusting and looking to God. So what that, that's the amount. If you got $5,000 in the bank, you quit looking to God, that's too much money. <laughs> and listen, I've done that before. We've probably all done that. When you get a little cushion or whatever and you don't really trust in God, Y'all looking really holy out there, but but God just wants you to be mindful of that no matter how much money you have in your checking account, your 401K, that we always need to look to him. We always need to make sure that we look to him. So uh, it flashed, and so I'm over time. All right. I just wanted to get into this. The Jewish culture are taught this, that giving and work are the same as worship. It's the same as worship to the Jewish people. 
This is a quote. One of the great differences that are set Jews apart from other cultural groups is that we see our wealth as a means to partner with God, as a way to bring God's kingdom into this earth, a concept that we call, I'm not going to be able to say this right, tikkum olam, T-I-K-K-U-M, and then the next word is O-L-A-M. Perfect, it's perfecting the world. It's partnering with God to bring his kingdom. They take their wealth, they take what their, their work and their job is, and they partner with God, and that's worship to them. Uh, one more scripture. Acts 20, 35. I left you an example of how you should serve and take care of those who are weak. For we must always cherish the words of our Lord Jesus who taught giving brings a far greater blessing than receiving. The world just doesn't understand that. That is the godly principle and concept. But it's a revelation that you and I need to get a hold of. We need to be a blessing to people. And once we understand that, it is better to give than it is to receive. I'm just telling you, it just causes you to have a desire to have an abundance so you can be a greater blesser, a better giver in every area of your life to help people. So giving exhibits God's heart. It advances the kingdom of God, shows you that you're trusting and submitting to God. And I didn't even get into this, but uh, there's a website. Do you have that website? Can you pull that up? It's uh, Did I give it to you? No, I didn't. Okay. It's science proves that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Science. It's, uh, if you uh, Google, it's Idle Wild Foundation. And it uh, talks about how science proves, they have proven that people who are generous, you are better, you are better off mentally and physically in your own physical body because you're a generous giver. Nothing spiritual they're talking about. They're just talking about they've proven that it's better for your body. Why? Because we're wired to be generous. Because we have God's DNA. But the problem is we've been taught and raised to be tight and stingy. But inside of you, there is a wiring mechanism that says, I am generous. It just needs to be, this is how I said it to the students. I said it just needs to be fluffed up on the inside of you. You know, it just needs to be fluffed up and stirred up on the inside of you. But most people, it's never fluffed up or stirred up. So, you know, ever since they were two years old and they see a toy and it's mine. And that sticks with them through the whole life. They see something, that's mine. I'm not going to share it. I'm not going to give this away. It's mine. Mine, mine, mine. Well, the finished work of Jesus Christ is the foundation for our New Testament prosperity. What he has done for you. Do you know what he's done for you? Do you know what he has done for you. Amen. Praise God. Let's stand. Amen, amen, amen. I'm just excited because I believe, you know, people think, you know, Denver, that's a high society. You got money in Denver and and there's money in uh, Colorado Springs and then there's Pueblo. God wants you to know that's not the way he sees it. And God wants you to know that's not the way that you should be seen. Oh, you can't really get a good job. Can't really get, you know, good pay. Well, maybe God will stir you up to start a business where you can get, get good pay and you can give employees good pay. 
I believe there's businesses ready to be started in our city. Amen? I believe there's opportunity in our city. Praise God. You're just waiting on us.